0: Well, open your Bibles tonight to Ephesians. I uh, told you this morning that the Lord gave me a word for the body of Christ the first part of this year and has been having me share it different places. I didn't know if I was going to get to share it here or not because I knew the direction the Lord told me to start this morning, but then he told me to share it this evening, so I was really glad. Um, It's really going to be something that God has told you to do now. Um, and if you get a hold of it, I think it'll change the way you get out of bed every morning. And it's definitely going to affect your future because it'll it'll change the way you approach every day in your life. Because God tells you to do something now. A lot of people live in their yesterdays, and it messes them up. And there's people that want to live in their tomorrows. Oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? You know, what's going to happen? And that messes them up. But God has some things to say about Today, now, how are you supposed to live now? And when tomorrow comes, you're still living that way. And God's setting a precedent for you to live this way no matter what breaks loose. I've had people come up to me and say, Brother Larry, pray for me, all hell broke loose. And I said, I don't need to pray for you, let's just let all heaven break loose. Let me teach you how to let all heaven break loose. Open your mouth and let the glory that's on the inside come out. Say, it is written. And let the glory out. Jesus said in John 17, the same glory, Father God, that you've given me, I've given them. So many people want to pray the glory down. Why don't you pray it out? Pray it by speaking it. That's the highest form of prayer is speaking the word of God. Highest form of praise, speaking the word of God. So if all hell breaks loose, rejoice and let all heaven. Because heaven is more powerful than hell. The kingdom of light is more powerful than the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Life is more powerful than death. I'm preaching good already. It's not even part of my sermon. That's all right. (laughs) Praise God. So God has something to do that that wants us to do now, and it's going to carry on throughout until Jesus splits the cloud. We're going to start here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 tonight. Praise God. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. So this is Paul. He says, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Paul's writing this letter from prison. Interesting, he's the one encouraging believers. (laughs) He's the one in prison, yet he's the one encouraging believers. I think it's because he knows that a lot of people are in prison themselves. Maybe not a literal prison, but they may be in prison to their thoughts. They may be in prison to their finances. They may be in prison physically. Physically. So I think Paul is t- telling the church at Ephesus, the Christians there, and us, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for us. He's telling us how to get of our get out of our prisons. So the first word he uses here is the word "finally." Everybody say finally. "finally." This ties in that word in the Greek. It ties in what he's already said with what he's getting ready to say. So a lot of stuff he already said, and then when he uses the word "finally," he's tying that in so that you'll take what he's going to say and use it what he already said. As I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, when we read the book of Ephesians, we read it in chapters and verses when, in fact, it was just one letter. There were no chapter divisions or verse divisions. And so really, in order to get the most out of what Paul says when he uses the word finally, You really need to have some understanding. So when I was thinking that, I thought, okay, in order to share this word, Lord, that you have for them, uh, I'm going to have to give them a quick synopsis of the previous five chapters. So I just wrote a few things down, a couple things from each chapter so that when you hear finally and then what he says after, you can connect it and say, okay, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that because of this. So let me give you a quick synopsis of chapters one through chapter five up to chapter six here. So in chapter 1, Paul talks about our redemption. Then he talks about our inheritance. And then he talks about how the Holy Spirit has sealed us and guaranteed our eternity with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he ends up talking. In fact, for those of you that are taking notes, you might want to make a note of this. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23 Paul talks uh, about a prayer that he prayed for the church of Ephesus. He prayed for the Christians. And I tell people all the time, here is a model prayer that you need to pray over yourself regularly. And you need to pray over your family members and your friends. This is a prayer that you need to learn to pray on a regular basis. So make this note, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Then in chapter 2, Paul talks about our salvation is by grace through faith. And then he talks about how Jesus has now become our peace. We knew he was called the Prince of Peace, but now he lives in us and he is our peace 24-7-365. Then it says he talked about how he abolished the hostility that the law produced and how how he's now made us one body with him. Then he talks about how we now have access to the Father because we're citizens and members of the household of God. Then Paul talks in chapter 3 about How God used the apostles and prophets to speak by revelation and to make known the mysteries and the manifold wisdom of God. Then he talks about how we now have access to Jesus and that we should come to him with boldness and confidence. Then at the end of the chapter, for those taking notes, here's another model prayer, another one I tell people to pray, and that's in verses 14 through 19 here in the third chapter of uh, Ephesians. Then in chapter 4, he talks about how we're to walk in humility, modesty, gentleness, patience, endurance, steadfastness, and perseverance. He then talks about how we're all one body with one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God who is the Father of us all. Then he talks about how after Jesus ascended, he released gifts into humanity. He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then he tells us those gifts are given to equip believers to do the work of the ministry so the body of Christ can grow up. Then he talks about how we as believers are supposed to be adults, In Jesus not children and not following after false doctrines that's going to be real important in these last days we're already seeing false doctrine come out and by acting like grown-ups it goes on to say it'll cause each one of us to do our part to keep the body together connected by the love of God then Paul talks about how we're supposed to stop acting like sinners and start acting like the new man that we really are righteous and holy he says you are Then he talks about how not to give place to the devil. Then he talks about how only to allow good things to come out of your mouth. You understand? You're born of God. He's always good. He's never bad. Good things should be coming out of your mouth as a believer. And then he ends the chapter 4, which he shouldn't have to, to believers telling us to be tender-hearted to each other and kind to each other. Imagine that, telling somebody that's supposed to be Christ-like, you better start acting like it, you know? He says, and then forgive each other the same way Jesus forgave you. I'm running into too many people all that, well, I just can't forgive them. Well, I just, you know, well, I've forgiven them, but, 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 and then they treat them like the enemy. I thought we're supposed to forgive the way Jesus forgave you. Hello, (laughs) How did Jesus forgive you? It didn't matter how many mistakes you've made and how many you continue to make. He'll still love you and he'll still forgive you and he'll still treat you like immediate family. Right? And then in chapter 5, he talks about living your life imitating God and stop imitating the unsaved. Don't partake of their lifestyles, he said. Then he says that you are now a child of light and you have no business engaging in the unfruitful works of darkness. Then he talks about how to use our time wisely. He said instead of getting drunk on wine, he tells us how to stay filled with the Spirit by speaking and singing the Word of God and giving thanks to God continually. Then he talks about how husbands are to love their wives and and wives respect and love each other, as a matter of fact, and even submit to one another in God's love. And then chapter 6 Interesting, he starts talking about parents. He said, if you have parents, you're supposed to give honor to them, give heed to godly instruction. Doing so will cause things to go well with you and extend your life in health and prosperity. I thought that was so interesting. God didn't say honor your parents if they are honorable. He didn't say honor your parents if they've been good to you. Honor them if they've raised you right. No, it doesn't say any of that. Honor them, period, so it goes well with you. Sounds like it has more to do with your well-being and your health and your prosperity than it does the way they treated you. Say amen if you can. Say oh me if you can't, because it's so anyhow. Hallelujah. And then he talks to, to those of us who work for someone. Maybe you have a boss, maybe you have a supervisor, someone, an owner, someone over you, and he tells you to work for them as though you are working for Jesus. And if you do that, Jesus will be the one that rewards you. Boy, if we could get people doing that! And then it brings us to verse 10, where he says the word "finally." Everybody say "finally." Finally. So the word "finally" is an adverb. An adverb is a modifier of a verb, or a uh, preposition, or a, a sentence, or an adjective. Uh, an adverb. Well, it, let me give you an example. You could you could say the little short sentence: "He ran." Well, the word ran is a verb, or you could add a modifier and say he ran quickly. The word quickly is an, advi- uh, an adverb. It modifies the verb. It tells you how he ran. So an adverb can tell you how, but it can also tell you when, like he ran yesterday. And that's an adverb that lets you know when. Uh, it can tell you where he ran. He ran over to Pastor Tony's house it can tell you how often he ran. Well, he ran every day this week. And so you get understand what I mean by an adverb here. Paul starts with his adverb and says finally. Really, it's an adverbial phrase because he says finally be strong in the Lord. So he's adding a modifier to all the things that he previously said that we just went over. And he says, in other words, I'm adding this so that you'll be able to do everything I said. In other words, you're going to have to be strong in the Lord to walk in your redemption. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord to receive your inheritance. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord to pray for others. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord to allow Jesus to be your peace at all times. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord to come to Jesus with boldness and confidence when you screw up. Come on. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord not to follow after religious fads. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord to act like the righteous and holy person you really are. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord to not give place to the devil. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord to only allow good things to come out of your mouth. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another the way Jesus forgave you. Are you understanding what I'm talking about as a modifier now this adverb? So the first thing Paul says, be strong in Jesus. He's the the Lord. Be strong in Jesus and the power of his night. Be strong in Jesus. Listen, he wouldn't have to tell us to be strong if we were just always strong. If you were always strong, he'd say, well, just keep acting like you are. (laughs) So evidently, there's going to be times that we don't feel strong. We're going to have feelings of weakness, lack of ability, and inadequacy, frustration, hopelessness. But God tells us to do something here. He says, be strong. It's really not two words. It's really one word. If you look this up in the Greek, there's just one word. Let me give you the definitions of this one word that's been translated, be strong. There's four definitions here. The first one is empowered. The second one is enabled. The third is increase in strength. And the fourth is be strong. So empowered, enabled, increased in strength, and be strong. But it doesn't stop there. The key is in the Lord, in Jesus. That's the key. You are empowered. You are enabled. You are strengthened. You can be strong because you are in Christ. I mean, what did Daniel say? Well, I think it was Daniel eleven thirty-two. 32. The people that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. The people that know their God will be strong. And then do exploits. Actually, if you look that uh, up in the Hebrew there in Daniel 11.32, the do exploits, the word exploits is italicized. It's not in the original context. I was looking at that in Daniel 11.32, the people that do know their God will be strong and do. And the word exploits is not there. So the word do, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means to accomplish or to advance. So the people that do know their God, they're going to accomplish things for the kingdom of God, and they're going to advance the kingdom of God, no matter what the kingdom of darkness is doing. But that's knowing their God, you're going to be strong. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4 tells those of us of a fearful heart, be strong and do not fear. In fact, let's turn over there. Go to Isaiah 35, 4 with me. Isaiah chapter 35, verse number 4. I'll read it from the New King James, Isaiah 35, 4. Say to those who are fearful hearted. Oh, I see some people turn. I'm sorry, I started reading too quick there. <laughs> Let me give you a chance. Thank goodness they're quick on the screen up here, though. At least you can see it there if you're not in your Bible, right? Say to those, this is uh, Isaiah 35, 4. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. We were singing about that tonight, I will not be afraid, I'll not be afraid, I won't fear, I won't fear. I thought about that because I did a study, in fact I just finished a whole series on my television, uh, my daily television program about uh, not fearing and not getting in fear and uh, we're actually, in fact then I just taught this whole se- a whole series of Do Not Fear out in Cheyenne, Wyoming and um, we're going to make a new a new audio series out of it because it's so important for these last days. I mean, when uh, the Wuhan virus broke out, I watched so many people get in fear. It's it just amazing how many people got in fear over it. And uh, God says, do not fear. I, I did a study. I found out that uh, the word fear in the Bible is found approximately 875 times. 875 times. Now about 708 of those 875 times, uh, it's actually an historical event or a story, such as when it talks about the enemies being afraid of the children of Israel. So it wasn't specifically talking to you and me about not fearing, but then again, uh, everything was given for our examples, even under the old covenant, that we can look at that and say, we don't have to fear our enemies, they fear us, right? But there were about uh, 167 times Uh, that actually say, do not fear. I thought that was pretty amazing, 167 times that it says, do not fear. Now, not exactly it could be saying, do not be afraid, don't be terrified, different forms of fear, but it was all talking about do not fear. I thought 167 times. I got 167 times every day when I get out of bed that tells me, do not fear. Amen. I remember reading on Facebook one time somebody said, "Did you know there are 365 fear knots in the Bible?" You know you can't believe everything that's on Facebook. <laughs> hate to inform you that and break, burst, burst your bubble, but <clears throat> it's not true. there are not 365 fear knots. Uh, they were pointing out, and I, I know they meant well they were pointing out there's, a, there's one fear knot for every day uh, that you get out of bed. I've got better news than that. There's 167 every day you get out of bed. <laughs> you have 167 fear-nots every single day when you get out of bed. You don't need one per day for the whole year. You need 167 every day. <laughs> and God gives you 167. If God Listen, if God told us 10 times fear not, that'd be enough. Told us 50 times or 100 times, that'd be a lot. But if he told us 167 times do not fear, then guess what? You do not have to worry. What would you say, Brother I, I just gave you a type of fear. <laughs> Worry is a form of fear. Stress is a form of fear. Depression is a form of fear. We need to understand these things, folks, because God says do not fear. Do not be anxious over anything. Don't be troubled. Don't be upset. Don't be, don't be, he says over and over. So guess what? We don't have to be. I said, we don't have to be, because God said so. And any time you believe God said it, then guess what? You now are empowered to be what he said. Just like be strong. You believe, okay, I'm going to be strong because God said so. Then I can be, because now I accept the word. That empowers me. His grace then is sufficient, and I'm able to be that no matter what's going on in the world. So he says, say to those who are fearful hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Don't turn over there, but I'll quote 2 Chronicles 32, 7. Be strong and courageous when facing your enemies because there's more with you than there are with them. I like that one. Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord is with you everywhere you go. These are promises of God. These are statements of God. He he never says try and be. He says be, and a lot of them are, I command you. Why can you do this? Well, we're finding out, be strong in the Lord. Are you in Jesus? Are you in Christ? That's going to be a key. If any man be in Christ, he's a new crea- creation. Old things are passed away. So if you're going to be strong in the Lord, then you need to know who you are in the Lord. I wrote down a couple things. For those of you taking notes, I'm going to go over them in just a second. But I want to encourage Encourage you, especially if you have access to a computer where you can go to YouTube. I just, I just um, finished uh, not long ago on my television program, my daily television program. I just did a teaching that I believe is the best teaching I've ever done, probably on any subject. The Lord told me, He said, "I want you to teach my alphabet." He said it's called the ABCs of true Christianity. That's my whole alphabet. He said, if you learn these ABCs, you'll know everything to the XYZs. All you need is the ABCs. So I I taught a Part A, I taught a Part B, and I taught a Part C in this series. I thought I would go three, maybe four months of daily television, five days a week for three or four months. I knew it was going to take a while. Little did I know that it was going to take 51 weeks. So I just finished, not long ago, a 51-week series on the ABCs of true Christianity. The reason I'm mentioning this is before I ever taught this, I started mentoring some different people and, and talking to different people, and they got a hold of this teaching that God gave me. And really, all it is, many of you would call it in Christ realities, part A, who you really are. Part B, what God's already given you, and part C, what He's already enabled you to do. Most Christians don't know these things. And so I've watched people, for example, I watched this one guy, I've watched other people do the same thing that were just what you and I would call baby Christians, that maybe they've only been born again for a year or two years and they're still, you know, really hungry. They haven't learned a lot of Bible yet, but they're just really thirsty and hungry. I've watched them take this teaching, the ABCs of true Christianity. And in one year's time, they're more mature in the Lord than 30-year-old Christians. It's amazing because people learn who they really are in the Lord and what they really have in the Lord and what they're able to do because they're in the Lord. It's a game changer. So the reason I'm telling you that, because I don't get anything out of this. My YouTube channel is free, so you can go. I'm just encouraging you to do this. If you want to make a change, a total change, transformation in your life, go to my YouTube channel, Larry Hutton Ministries' YouTube channel, and start watching. You can watch one a day. You can watch one a week. It doesn't matter to me. You just start feeding on the ABCs. Now, I have a lot of different TV series, a lot of different titles there, but look for the ABCs of True Christianity. Uh, I've just started uploading them not long ago, so I think out of the... 255 programs i think i've got 86 of them or some uploaded so far i'm going to keep uploading them just so people can feed on them but i encourage you even after i'm gone man go to the word what am i leading i'm leading i don't preach what i believe or what i think or my opinion or my theory i just preach the word of god so i just want people to hear the word because it's going to be life transforming if you'll do it is that okay I wanted to mention that because I just felt led of the Lord that that'll really help you, and there's always people that'll take take that word and jump on it like a bulldog on a new bone, (laughs) and then, man, they get their life changed, just overhauled. It's amazing. So let me quote some scriptures about who you are in the Lord. For those of you taking notes, I'll, I'm not turning there. I'm just going to quote them real quick. Romans 3.24 says, Because you are in Christ, you are redeemed and made right with God because of his free, undeserved, unearned grace. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> Romans 8.1 says, Because you're in Christ, you can now live a life free from condemnation. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, there is nothing that you can do or that anyone else can do that will stop God from loving you. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 says, because you're in Christ, you have, not you're going to have, you have all of God's wisdom, his righteousness, his sanctification, and his redemption. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. Thank you. Yes, sir. So you have, you already have God's wisdom. You have his righteousness. You have his sanctification. You have his redemption because you're in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says because you're in Christ, you can always triumph in every endeavor. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says because you're in Christ, God, oh, this is so good. God is not keeping a record of any of your sins. Erased. Glory to God. Galatians three twenty six says because you have faith in Christ you are part of God's immediate family. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High. Think of this, the Creator of all things is your daddy. I like that. Praise God. Ephesians one three says because you're in Christ God has already given you every blessing that is available in heaven. It's yours now while you're on the earth. Ephesians 2, 6 says, because you're in Christ, God has given you a seat in heaven right next to him. I love having a good wife because she was with me not too long ago I was preaching this and I made this stupid statement after I read that. I said, you're just like God, you're omnipresent. She said, no, honey, you're not omnipresent, you're just dual present. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. You're not, um, you're not everywhere at once like God is, but at least you're more than one place at once. That was my point. <laughs> I said, you are here sitting in this room, but the Bible says you're seated with Christ in heaven right next to God. Woo! glory to God, that's a good seat to be in, isn't it? Amen. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, because you're in Christ, listen to this, God has handcrafted you Assigned things for you to do while you're here and given you the enablement, the empowerment to do them. That's good. That's in Ephesians 2.10. Philippians 2.5 says, Because you're in Christ, you have the mind of Christ, and you can operate in his mental state. Hallelujah. Now turn over to Philippians or 2 Timothy chapter 2 with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 1, 2 Timothy 2, 1. Anybody getting anything? Yeah. You therefore, 2 Timothy 2, 1, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This says because you're in Christ you can partake of his grace to be strong. Be great, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong, and that's what we're looking at in Ephesians 6:10 as be strong. So you can be strong based on what Jesus did at the cross is what we were looking at this morning. How many were here this morning? Thank God for God's grace. All right, we'll get back to Ephesians 6:10, but let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16 And let's look at verse number 13. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I'm going to read again from the New King James. And it says four things for us to do. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. Be brave is to be courageous. So this is something that God has called us to do right now. If you're wondering what you're supposed to do this week, this year, Well, here's some things right here God's commissioned you to do. He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. So let's talk about these four things. Let's talk about the word watch. The word watch in the Greek means to stay awake. So that just would imply right there that some Christians fall asleep. In fact, it's actually the same exact Greek words that Jesus used in the Garden of Gethsemane when the disciples didn't stay awake. So he says, stay awake. And then he uses this uh, in the Greek. It says, be watchful. So stay awake, be watchful. Then the Greek says, be vigilant. Be vigilant. And then give, listen to this one, give strict attention to. And then finally, be cautious. So this is what it means when it's talking about watch here. It's saying, stay awake, be watchful. Be vigilant, strict attention to, and to be cautious. All of those definitions of watch show us that Satan is going to come along and try and stop you from doing things God's called you to do or having things that God's already given you. In fact, Peter says the same thing. Remember over in 2 Peter 5, verse 8, when he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. It says, Pay attention, be be sober, and be vigilant. Pay attention and be on your guard. Same thing that it's saying right here. In other words, don't fall for the devil's snares, his traps, or his trickery. Can I hear an amen? amen? So here it tells us to watch. And then the second thing, it says stand fast in the faith. Let me give you these Greek definitions. first one means to stay stationary. The second one is to be persistent. And then the third, to persevere. So stay stationary. Persistent and persevere. Therefore, this means stay stationary in your faith, be persistent in what Jesus has made you and what He's given you, and then persevere. Listen, persevere when things don't go your way. He wouldn't have to tell you to persevere if it looked like everything was going your way all the time. So He says, stand fast in the faith, stay stationary persistent, and persevere. In other words, don't be moved by what you hear, see, and feel. You can change what you see, hear, and feel. You saw my testimony this morning when I showed you that tumor that attacked my body. I had to be persistent. I had to persevere because I didn't see anything happen for a couple months. But I got rid of the cancer, didn't I? And so you guys saw the picture. All right, so Galatians 5.1 says, you don't have to turn there, but make a note. Stand fast. Because remember, we're looking at this word, uh, stand fast in the faith here. Galatians 5.1, Paul said, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ, see that's where you are in the Lord, wherewith Christ has made you free. It tells us, don't get entangled. If you go on reading there, don't get entangled with a bunch of laws trying to gain God's approval. Jesus already gained God's approval for you. Hallelujah. God's approval is not based on your performance. It's based totally on what Jesus has already done for you. And let me hear a big amen. Amen. So 1 Corinthians tells us, watch. And that means to stay alert. And then he tells you to be persistent. Use your faith to persevere. And don't be moved by the information obtained by your physical senses. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Then the third thing it tells us is be Brave, be brave. Hmm. King James, I noticed the King James says, quit ye like men. Quit, you say what? (laughs) Quit ye like men. Well, you know, in our society today, you may say something like, man up, or be a man. You know, I say things like, well, quit acting like a wimp. (laughs) You know, don't act like a coward or a defeated pup. Or this will date you, but there's enough older people in here, you'll know what I'm talking about. Quit acting like the lion on the Wizard of Oz. If you, how many of you watched The Wizard of Oz? You know the lion. He was a wimp. He didn't have any courage until the wizard gave him courage. But let me tell you what: you have someone much greater and much more powerful than a fake wizard. You have the Creator of all things on the inside of you, and He has given you courage. In fact, 1 Samuel 4:9 says, "Be strong and quit yourselves like men. Quit yourselves and fight." That just means be courageous, praise God. So I started noticing there were a lot of scriptures that didn't just say be strong, but then a lot that said be courageous. In fact, I quoted a couple of them that I didn't have you turn to. Go to 2 Chronicles 32, 7 with me. I want you to see this. 2 Chronicles 32 7. Again, I'm, I'm going to use the New King James here. It says, be strong and courageous. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong. And courageous so he says be strong and courageous do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of assyria nor before all the multitude that's with him for there's more with us than there is with him now a lot of times when christians read an old testament verse like this they think well yeah that's just an old testament story but you need to understand over in 1 corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 it says all of those old stories are written as examples for us to learn from so when he says here in 2 Chronicles, be strong and courageous when facing your enemies, he's talking about us as well when we're facing our enemies, and that there are more with us than there are with them. That reminds me over in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, when uh, Elisha is talking to his servant. His servant woke up, went out, looked out the city of Dothan, and the whole city of Dothan where they were at was surrounded by enemy. The king of Syria had found out where uh, Elisha was, and so they surrounded the whole city with the armies. And so obviously they weren't surrounded until the middle of the night, so when Elisha and the servant went to bed, everything was hunky-dory, peachy keen. (laughs) But then when they woke up, it says the servant went out and looked and saw him, and it's kind of a little lame the way King James says it. The King James says he came back to Elisha and says, Alas, master, what are we going to do? No, let me give you the reality. It was, ah! Elisha, we're about to die! (laughs) That was more reality. And so Elisha had to pray to God and say, God, open his eyes. Now, we know he's not talking about his natural eyes because his natural eyes already saw, and that's why he's freaking out. But now he says, Lord, open his eyes, and God opened the eyes of his spirit where he could see past the natural realm. And the Bible said the whole place, all of those natural horses and chariots of the enemy, they were all surrounded by horses and chariots of fire. Yeah, there's more that be with us than be with them. You don't ever have to be afraid, praise God. We can be strong like this says right here and be courageous because God has an army of angels surrounding you. Amen. I don't know where we got this idea that when we were born, we were assigned a little baby fat angel with a harp and, and once we got to a certain age, he took off. You need angels when you're adults more than you ever did when you were a baby. And you don't lose your army of angels, praise God. You got plenty of angels ready to meet you and and help you and protect you, but you got to be speaking to the word because they hearken to the voice of the word of God. Amen. Turn over to Joshua chapter one with me. Is this all right tonight? I'm telling you, this is getting us prepared for the days ahead and the years ahead, the things that are going to transpire. We got to be ready in the body of Christ. Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage. Yes. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, which is discouragement, for the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. I heard my, my mentor, I've had two mentors in my life, the late Curtis Bradford and the late Kenneth Hagen. and I remember hearing Kenneth Hagin make this statement in one of his meetings, and then I heard him make it a number of times. He said, you know, if we would just believe one word of God, It could just change you forever. He said, you could just take a verse like this. And of course, he quoted a number of them, but he just went to one like this and said, God said he is with you everywhere you go. And if you as a believer believed that, you would never worry about anything. You'd never get stressed about anything. You'd never get discouraged. You'd always be up and ready to conquer. If you believe that he is with me. Of course, we know he's on the inside of us, right? This was under the old covenant. But he's always with you. You don't ever have to pray, Lord, go with me. He's going to say, I have no choice. I'm in you, so where you go, I'm going. (laughs) Hallelujah. He says, he's always with us. Amen? The church... Building isn't the house of God you are the house of God. I am the house of God. I take God everywhere I go That's why I love what John G. Lake said if you've ever studied John G. Lake He has some of the most Miraculous and mighty things ever happened in his ministry and he would get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say God lives in that man That's a good thing to think about every morning when you get out of bed be strong and courageous, for the Lord is with you everywhere you go. Well, Brother Larry, I just don't feel like He is. Well, that's why we said you got to be persistent in your faith and walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31. I'm going to give you plenty of scripture. You can take you, I remember Brother Copeland said this years ago, he said it many times since. He said, "One word of God can change your life forever. Those of you that were here this morning, you heard how one word changed my grandmother at 75 years old, dying of terminal cancer, less than six months to live. And then she got healed of the cancer because of one word, Jesus bore your sickness. And she said, well, if he bore it, then I don't need to. One word changed her life forever. And then she lived another 20 years. Cancer never came back. She lived till she was 95. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and of good courage Do not be afraid of them, talking about your enemies. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not, he will not, he will not leave you, nor let you down. Amen. All right, so let's go back to Ephesians, because we're looking at all these be strong and courageous scriptures. Let's go back to the one we started with. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Where he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong. So the only way you're going to be strong is in the Lord, or as some people say, in Christ. Because when you're in Christ, you have the power of his might on the inside of you. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See you're able to be strong in him because of his might, not because you're mighty. <laughs> amen Mike I remember uh, Micah chapter 3 verse 8 where Micah said he was full of the power of God and full of the might of God and I thought I thought okay he's a prophet sure enough and and he said I'm full of the power of God and I'm full of the might of God and I thought but he didn't have the greater one living on the inside of him how much more can you full of God's power and full of God's might say ha ha greater is he that's in me than anything that comes against me in this world amen in fact, you remember in uh, J- Judges chapter 6, verse 11, where Gideon was in the pit. It said he was threshing wheat, and so he's, he's down in this pit, but if you read the context, he's actually in there hiding from the Midianites. And God says in that verse, that 11th verse, he said, uh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And what was Gideon doing? Hiding, fearing for his life. And, and God, God called him uh, a mighty man of valor. So that kind of reminded me of Romans four seventeen, God calls those things that be not as though they are. Yeah. Or my paraphrase, well, God calls those things that don't appear to be real, but in truth they are real because God said so. <laughs> he calls those things that be not as though they already are. So he calls things that don't appear to be real, but in truth they are real because God said so. As soon as God said it, it's real. It's truth, praise God. So let's turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 10, Deuteronomy 7. No, you know what, for time's sake, I'll just quote it to you real quick. This is where God says, the God that lives in you is mighty. My point is, if you can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, it's because he's mighty and he's in you. God is a mighty God. I could take you to a lot of verses about that. But God's a mighty God, and if he's in you, then you have his might on the inside of you. So you can be strong in the Lord. Be strong, be strong, be strong. It's not a suggestion. It's a command to be strong. And again, people, remember how we learned this morning, the way you received him, by grace through faith, is the way you walk this out. So when all of a sudden I don't feel strong, I'm going to say, I am strong because God said be that. Amen. What are you doing? You're mixing your faith with what he said to be. When you believe that, then his grace will empower you to be that. You're not being strong in yourself, the power of your might. You're being strong in him and the power of his might. Are you getting this? It's not, it's not rocket science. It's just simple childlike faith. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I remember when, my, when I was four years old, I was born in 1954. In 1958, my dad built a house out on a lake out in Odessa, Florida. And uh, I remember standing on the dock, wasn't quite four years old, and standing on the dock, and my daddy, who I, I, I thought my daddy hung the moon. I thought my daddy could do anything. I I know some of you could relate to this. If my daddy said it, it's good, period, because daddy said it, right? And I remember standing up on that dock, and daddy looking up at me. He was in about five foot of water. He was six foot tall. He was standing about five foot of water, and I I wasn't that tall, and so I, I hadn't learned to swim yet. And so he says, jump, and I'll catch you. Well, if I jumped and he didn't catch me, I'm in trouble. But I never even had the thought, well, what if I jump and he tries and misses? I never thought that. I never had the thought, well, what if I jump and then he goes, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to teach you a lesson. (laughs) No, the thoughts never came to me. When when Daddy said, Larry, jump and I'll catch you without thinking, simple childlike faith just acted on Daddy's word. And guess what I did? I acted on daddy's word, and he caught me. Be strong. Act on your daddy's word, and he'll catch you. He'll never let you be tempted beyond your ability. He'll make a way of escape no matter what you're going through. Be strong. He says, be strong. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's read verse 3, 4, and 5. 2 cha- uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, for, we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, in other words, in that physical body, you don't war according to that physical body you're in. All right? For, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. If you look up the word carnal, it means of human origin. So my weapons are supernatural. They're not of human origin. Your weapons are supernatural. So the weapons of your warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty. Everybody say Mighty. They're mighty in God. Remember, you're strong in the Lord, the power of his might. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, which is the word of God. So it says your armor is mighty. Why? Because it's God's armor. It's not your armor, it's God's armor. Your weapons are mighty because they're God's weapons. I try and get this across all the time when I'm... uh, preaching on Galatians uh, about the the nine fruit of the Spirit, letting people know this peace, for example, that God gave you, the third fruit mentioned, or joy, the second fruit mentioned, These I call them feeling fruit because when you allow God's joy and God's peace to rule your emotions, you will feel good. They're feeling fruit, supposed to make you feel good. (laughs) But people try and live in joy and they try and live in peace in their own might and their own strength. And I let them know, I said, wait a minute, you're missing the whole thing. When God, when the Holy Spirit, if you'll study that out in Galatians 5, 22, 23, when the Holy Spirit moved on the inside of you, he brought nine pieces of baggage with him. The reason he brought that baggage is so you'd get rid of your baggage. (laughs) And so he brought these nine pieces, and they're called fruit, and they're not seasonal fruit. I was raised in Florida, I know seasonal fruit. But they're not seasonal fruit, you have... Love in you, 24-7-365. You have joy, peace. You go right on down the line. Even the very last one mentioned, which is temperance or self-control. You have God's, not your self-control. You don't try and control. Okay, I'm going to try and control myself because that's a fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to try. No, that's trying to be strong in yourself. You're trying to be strong in the power of your might. God didn't say that. He gave you His temperance his self-control so you can literally control yourself through every situation because it's his self-control what does he do in heaven psalm says he sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies that's what i did i didn't tell you this this morning i told you i spoke to that tumor that that cancer that attacked my face i spoke to it but i also would point at it and laugh at it <laughs> you know you can't stay you're not changing me i'm changing you why? Because my confidence is not in my strength and the power of my might. I'm going to be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. And this says our weapons are supernatural weapons. They're mighty uh, armor. This is the armor of God. Romans 13, 12 says put on the armor of light. Ephesians six sixteen says you have the armor of faith. 2 Corinthians 6, 7 says you have the armor of righteousness. Ephesians six seventeen says you have armor, uh, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Hey, Hebrews 4.12 says it's quick, it's alive, it's powerful. So I'm thinking about all this power that's available. I thought it's very interesting to me that with all this power available to Christians, yet so many believers are still living defeated, woe is me type lifestyles. Why is that? Well, because even though God is in you if you're a believer, and even though you have his power in you, Even though you have his might in you, even though you have his strength in you, you still have to be a doer of the word. (laughs) I could just hear somebody say, well, what word, Brother Larry? Well, what about this one? Be strong. That'd be a good one to act on. Just just believe and act like it's true. That's being a doer of the word. You have to start acting like what God said is true. No matter what it feels like, no matter how you've been treated by others, no matter what is going on in politics or society or government, you have to do what God says. And He says this be strong. Again, the key though is not in yourself, not in the power of your might, because you're in Christ. So just die. <laughs> You've been crucified with Christ, so just act dead, and then you'll act alive. Okay, now I'll put my flesh aside and I'm just gonna act like Jesus. Why? First John 4:17, as he is, so am I in this world. First John 2, 6, you're to walk even as he walked. You can't do that in your own might, in your own power. You can only do that in the Lord. Oh man, are y'all getting this? Be strong. I just don't feel strong. Well, then Joel, old covenant prophet, what is it? Joel 3:10, I think it is, where let the weak say something. Now some of y'all know that verse, so help me out. Let the weak say I am strong. What are the three words? I am strong. The prophet Joel said, let the weak say, there's a reason he says that. you got to get what you believe in your heart out into circulation. Remember, James says faith without works is unproductive faith. It doesn't produce anything. You still have faith. Romans Romans 12, 3 says, every one of us have the measure of faith. It's a metron. The Greek there is metron. You can translate it a measure or the measure. It doesn't matter whether it's a or the. I know a lot of people want to talk about that. But the truth is you get the same measure. It's a measure of God's faith or it's the measure of God's faith. But every single one of us get the same measure. God's no respecter of persons. And even a little tiny grain of mustard seed, part of that faith he gave you is enough to move any mountain in your life. So you have the faith of God. So just... If God says, say, say I'm strong, then be strong, and you can be strong. I'm going to close tonight in Hebrews chapter 13, so turn over there with me. Hebrews chapter 13. I love this passage right here. I'm going to actually start because you, you guys, most of you know, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verses, so I'm going to actually start in the middle of verse 5. We would call it 5B, 5B. <laughs> But I'm going to start in the middle. I'm going to start where it says, for God has said. I want to start there because I want to point something out to you. So in the middle of verse 5 of Hebrews 13, it says, God has said. What did he say? I will never, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll never leave you or let you down. So that we may boldly say, the Lord's my helper. I will not. I will not fear what man can do to me. See, I apply this to every situation that man is involved in. So that's why when that Wuhan virus came out, I did not get in fear. I kept traveling. I kept laying hands on people with the virus. I didn't care. It's not getting on me. If it does get on me, it's going to have to flee (laughs) People were asking me, aren't you you afraid that that it's going to get on you? I said, no, the virus is afraid that I'm going to chase it off. (laughs) Let the weak say, Joel said, and so here God has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you so that we... May boldly say. I want you to, I want you to circle or highlight for those of you that can. I actually did it in my electronic Bible, I did it in my leather Bible. Two words I want you to circle and draw your attention to in this verse. It says, God will never leave you nor forsake you. So that. Those are the two words. Circle them, highlight them. So that. Everybody say so that. Yeah. In other words, he's saying there's a purpose in why he said what he did. So that. Here's the reason. God didn't say what he just said so that verse 6 would not be blank when the Bible was written. (laughs) He didn't say it just for his benefit. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that, here's the reason God spoke what he said, so that we may boldly say, wow, God has said so that we may boldly say God has said so that we may boldly say See so when I spoke to that cancerous tumor that attacked my body I boldly declared you are not staying on my body. I'd talk to it. I say you already know you can't stay You know, I'm not gonna let you stay and whatever I bind my daddy backs me up in heaven So you have no choice. You're not staying on my body I would boldly declare it every day. I refuse to fear, even though fear came as an onslaught against me. I refused it. I would not fear. I will not. And here's one reason why. I was driving across the... I was driving across, going to a church to preach, and I was praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden the word of the Lord came to me and he said this, if you won't allow fear in any area of your life, no curse can operate in any area of your life. If you won't allow fear in any area, then no curse can operate in any area. So from that day to this, I've been on a rampage against fear. I will not fear. I I refuse. I'll die and go to heaven before I fear. (laughs) Amen. Amen i will not fear because god said i will never leave you or forsake you so we can boldly say the lord's my helper so i won't fear even what man does what did man do in a wuhan virus create a wuhan lad, rat? they created a virus that we're going to try and take out hundreds of millions of people was their plan but god thwarted their plan you know it doesn't matter what man tries to do we do not have to fear and it doesn't matter what the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and billionaires try and do, and killing off people, and making AI, artificial intelligence, and getting rid of a lot of humans, and just making robots. Listen, this is all happening, by the way. Most people don't know this, but this is all, or in fact, it's been happening for decades. They've been getting all this stuff ready for decades. That's because by the time you and I leave, there's going to be so much knowledge and AI, artificial intelligence, all that stuff, they are going to have an excuse When billions of people disappear out of the earth, you know, called the rapture, when all of us are gone, they're going to actually be able to convince people, aliens, man, we told you there were Martians, look, they just came in and took out a third of the earth or half the earth or whatever. And they're going to convince people that all on their fake media and all that stuff, they'll convince people and all of a sudden they'll have a one world government and there'll be one man that runs it all. The Antichrist. People have wondered how this is going to happen. It's all getting set up right now. It's so exciting. Because <laughs> I get to live in a generation where God moves mightier before we split the clouds than he's ever moved. I mean, it's going to so eclipse the book of Acts. We're going to just see so many mighty miracles happening. Right in the midst of darkness accelerating. Right in the midst of a thousand falling at our side and ten thousand at our right hand. Oh, it's going to be a time where your heart grieves for people when you watch them die. But it's going to be miraculous and it's going to be powerful. We're going to have billions of people come into the kingdom of God and then we're going to be raptured out of here. Somebody said, well, how do you know you're going to be raptured? Well, if you want to hang around, you hang around. I'm out of here. (laughs) Seven years of the wrath of God being poured out. You and I, the Bible said, we've been delivered from the wrath to come. I will not be here. So if you hang around, have fun. (laughs) God has said, so that I may boldly say, so my point in pointing this out, anything that God has said, we are supposed to get in us. That's why I'm so blessed that so many of you bought those deck of cards. We sold out of them, so now if you don't want to have to order online and pay shipping and taxes and handling and all that, just go prepay back there. They'll write your name down. Anything that we've run out of, I, I saw a couple of items back there, so if we run out of anything, And you want it, then go prepay. They'll write your name and phone number down. I'll ship everything here to the church, and then they'll let you know when it's in, and you can pick it up. That'll save you seven, seven, eight bucks, whatever. And so uh, that's available. If you want to order it through the website, LarryHutton.org, you can do that as well. But listen, God says be strong. We can be anything God says be. Simple childlike faith. Daddy says jump. Okay, Daddy, I'm going to jump. Daddy said so. I can count on Daddy. Daddy's word was good. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, my daddy, when I believed his word, he wasn't even a Christian. He didn't get born again until just on his deathbed. But yet, my daddy, of course, he was raised by a Christian mother and daddy, so he had Christian principles. My daddy, even though he was not born again the whole, all my life growing up, he was a man of integrity. If he gave you his word, you could count on it. We we have that saying you could go to the bank on it, you know. Older people understand that more than younger folk do. Younger folk most don't most don't even know how to go to the bank. Go well, to the bank? Why would I go to the bank? <laughs> be strong. Everybody say be strong! be strong. So can you be? Absolutely. And these words are going to come back. This is going to come back to you that you are empowered to be this. And the Holy Ghost is going to bring this to remember. And when all of a sudden a uh, few months from now or next year and things start breaking loose and all hell breaks loose and heaven's breaking loose, more powerful than all hell breaking loose, and you're going to be able to be a light in the darkness that's in the world because it is going to wax uh, worse and worse. It's going to get darker and darker the closer we get to the return of Jesus. But you and I are stepping in. We're stepping up. We're stepping in. We are going to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth that we're called to be. It's no more straddling the fence here. It is time to step up and be the child of God we are. Are we really believers? Then let's act like it. And the way you get this boldness and confidence is you get in the word. Like those of you that got the deck of cards or those of you. We have seven different recordings back there of me quoting scriptures on different subjects. Get a hold of the word. Listen to it continually. Stay so full of the word of God that people in the world look at you and say, Sarah, you're full of it. And you go, yes, I am. I'm full of the word of God. I'm full of the spirit of God. I'm full of the life of God. I'm full of it.